Thank you for checking out this resource from Grace Chapel. If you're interested in finding more resources or you'd like to donate to our ministry, you can do so by going to gconline.org forward slash watch. How's everybody doing? Good? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a little wet out there, isn't it? A little bit? So this is what we're going to do uh, this morning to, to start. I want you to look at your neighbor, and I want you to tell him this. The rain is going to stop. Go ahead. All right. Now you're, the second one is, now you got to look at him and say, and maybe not. It's interesting, I was supposed to be in a golf tournament yesterday, and um, yeah, they, uh, the cars weren't going to work, you know, we needed little boats uh, to get around, so uh, that was canceled, but uh, ultimately God's in control, amen? I can see you're excited about that. <laughs> That's where we're going today, so you better get excited, let's go. Um, so uh, today, uh, right before we get into Ecclesiastes chapter 3, I wanted to uh, make mention of this. Uh, August 8th is a big date. August 8th is when we're going to do Acts 29. And Acts 29 is where we as a church, we say whatever you, you were going to give that day, we're not going to, don't give it to the church, let's give it to the community, let's go bless the community, and we're going to fill every food pantry in Auburn and the Pregnancy Care Center. We've done this several years now, and we don't just give them random stuff. We, we speak to them and say, you give us a list of what you need, and we'll go get it. And it's just been an amazing way for us to display the love of Jesus to people that, honestly, we have no idea where these things are going. We just know that God loves them, and he wants us to be invested in loving them as well. So uh, that's happening August 8th. Uh, the cool part is this year's a little different. We're going to gather together at 10 o'clock, one service on that day. So one service. Are you with me? You guys are pretty good. It's the 8.30 service I'm a little worried about. You know, they show up, hey, when's church? Hour and a half, have some coffee, you know? Uh, so uh, that day, 10 o'clock. And uh, we're going to do something different this year. It's not going to be just about uh, the filling the food pantries and doing the shopping and all of that, but it's actually going to be dinner on the grounds afterwards. We're going to have a full-fledged service. We're going to just uh, throw it down that day. We're going to have a great time of developing community here as we invest in the community out there. Does that sound good? Come on. We got to get our happy dance on. Uh, this is good stuff. This is where we live it out. And uh, too many times what happens in churches is they talk it out. Yeah. Mm, say all the good stuff. Well, we're not going to just say the good stuff. We're going to live it out. We're going to put it into practice. So I hope you're excited about that. Well, here we go. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Um, I don't know about you, but I've been, just, I, I've been loving this series because uh, this is Solomon's reflection on life and what has uh, purpose and value and worth. And he evaluates it all and he helps us have insight into this, not just from his perspective, but, but for all of us in where we are at. 
in life. Think about that for a moment. What really has worth? What really has purpose in life? Today, we're going to go down through Ecclesiastes chapter 3. It's a very familiar passage, so you're going to recognize it right away when we start. But before we do, let me um, mention a couple things. If you could write a plan for your life, you had a blank page, and you had a pen, and you could write the plan for your life, what would you write? What would that look like? My guess is this. You would you know, have this amazing life planned out, incredible opportunities, experiences that you would be able to enjoy, accomplishments that you would fulfill. All of these things you're gonna say, yeah, that, that's what I would want my life to be. Doesn't that feel good? I'm starting to think about my paper and I'm like, wow, man, I would have a crazy good life. What's interesting in life is you and I both know that life isn't just the amazing accomplishments, the incredible experiences, and the amazing opportunities. Rather, life is full of the opposites as well. Oftentimes, we have to go through the hardships, the stresses, the tragedies, the sorrows, the challenges. That that's more of a picture of life. And so as we engage today, this is an amazing passage because it really talks about that. It talks about that life isn't just about the good stuff, it's about the whole. And we get to begin to evaluate what that looks like as we talk about our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. I think oftentimes we think if I could only remove the bad things out of my life and have the good things, life would be amazing. Isn't that, isn't that true? It's like, I just need to get beyond this. And then I can enjoy life. Uh, today, Solomon's perspective is different. It's different. When we talked about last week, when we, when we talked about purpose, we again affirmed what Solomon said, and that is, your life is not about pleasure, it's about purpose. Are you with me? Your life is not about pleasure. Although we work really hard to chase after it, it's not about pleasure. Your life is about purpose. And until you get that right, life doesn't make sense. But when you do get that right, it changes everything. And so today as we unpack this passage, what we're going to find is that purpose isn't just found in the good times of life, but in the whole of life. And so I want to invite you to take your Bibles. Let's read down through the first 15 verses of Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and see what Solomon says. And I'm sure you're going to recognize this passage as soon as we begin. <clears throat> he says this, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep 
and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. He continues and he says this, what gain has the worker from all his toil? I have seen the busyness that God has given to the children of men to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceived that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat, drink, and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor nothing taken away from it. God has done it, so that people will fear before him. That which has already been, that which is to be, already has been, and God seeks what has been driven away. Interesting passage, right? As we look at this, this is really a true picture of life. This is a clear picture of life. There's 18 things that he contrasts one against the other. And I think maybe the clearest picture is a time to be born and a time to die. It's really the picture of life. That everything is included in this. And he talks about, you know, all those other 18 things. A time to tear and a time to sew together. A time to mourn and a time to laugh. We, so we have all of these, and I'm like, I'm okay with some of those times, but it's the other ones I don't really like. But the first thing that we see in this passage that I really want to get our heads and our hearts around is this, that God has given a season to everything in our lives. God has given a season to everything in our lives. Again, what does he say in that for everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven? It's, it's interesting. The good and the bad, the wanted and the unwanted, all of that, he says, there's a purpose for all of it. You go, well, I get the purpose for some of it, but really all of it? Yes, all of it. But I think the first thing that I want us to do business with this morning is that we look at this list in that declaration that he says at first is this, that we are in control of nothing. God's in control of everything. It's really called God's providence. That God ultimately is governing the affairs of mankind and he will use everything in life, the natural laws of our world even the supernatural where he intervenes and does a miracle. And then there are those moments where he even used the sinfulness of mankind to bring about his purposes. So he gives freedom of choice, but he's always using every event and every activity to accomplish his purpose and his will. It's a providence of God. It's amazing. And so God doesn't need just the good things to try to figure it all out. And we must stand back and understand that ultimately in life, we're not in control. Any of you control freaks? I am. 
I like to be in control. I, I, I get frustrated. I like to drive. Like when we're driving, I'm like, I'm a terrible passenger. I'm like, oh, slow down. Yep, yep, yep. Watch over here. You know, oh man, it drives me nuts. I want to drive. It's just, I feel more comfortable in control. And in life, sometimes we hold on like this, like I've got it, I've got it. And God goes, you never had it. <laughs> it's an illusion. <laughs> never had it to begin with. So it's when we open our hand up and say, God, you are the author of it all. You are the governor of everything that happens in life. Let me release it to you. Then things begin to change. It's interesting uh, when I think of all of these moments that we go through in life, whether it's birth or death, I was thinking about that. Avery is expecting a child, and it's our worship pastor's wife. Um, any moment, I mean, if she gets up during service, there she is, you know, something good's coming. Um, so she's ready. You know, mamas, when they get to that time, they're like, I'm ready. I'm ready to give birth. And so uh, that's happening anytime. They told her it could happen anytime. And then this afternoon, I'm going to a memorial service. So you've got the beginning and the end. And God is the God who is control of both. It's not just the birth, but even in death, God has ordered these things to accomplish his purposes beyond what we might be able to know, see, or imagine. He has allowed these seasons to accomplish his purposes in you and through you. I want you to see in verse 14 what he says. Verse 14 is very insightful. He says, I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it. Isn't that incredible? But it talks about our response. He says, so that people fear before him. So that we have this awe of God. We're like, snap. I'm not in control. He's in control. And I have this holy awe and appreciation for who he is and what he's doing in this great world that I'm living in. In the midst of all the different seasons of life. I want to pause for a moment and ask you a question. The question is this, what season are you in? What season of life are you in? Because you can have people that are in seasons where they're on the mountaintops, amazing things. It can be the season of dancing. And then other people are in the season of mourning. And collectively together, we have all of those seasons probably represented. It's important that we recognize that there's every, every person sitting in this room is in a season that God has allowed to accomplish his purposes in you and through you. Everyone. The second thing that I want us to see is this, that God has a purpose for every season. Not just that he has given a season, but he's given it to accomplish his purpose. Nothing wasted. Nothing wasted. Everything can have value when we hand it over to the Lord. If I looked at the 18, you look at the 18 opposing things, right? That he contrasts here. I like 18 of them. It's the other half of the 18 I don't like. 
I don't know about you, but I'm like, well, I'll take, if I could choose from the list, it would be the one half, the other half I would let go of. We don't get to choose. But this is what he is driving home. He's like, God has ordained this to accomplish his purpose. This is not where God is distant. He's absent. He doesn't know what's going on. He didn't create us and then shove us off and let us do our own thing with no involvement. God is intimately involved in the affairs of our life. In those moments where we say, if, if someone only knew what I was going through, I'm here to tell you someone does. The God who created you, the God who formed you knows exactly the season you are in. And it's in this moment that we then must come to the point and we go, God, what is the purpose for this? I would dare say this, if we're honest with ourselves, we would say that it's the most painful and sometimes challenging times of life that God speaks the loudest and he shapes us the most and grows us the most. Is that not true? Listen, when I'm on the mountaintop, I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm just loving it. I'm like all about me. Man, I'm, if I'm in the valley, I'm like, God help me, right? What's, what's weird with that? One is dependence and one is independence. And God wants dependence in both the mountaintop and in the valley. But it's sometimes in those hardships of life that God shapes things in us that we so desperately need. And we seek after him. I love golf, as many of you know. And I say the reason why I love golf is it's a sport where I see a lot of spiritual activity. There are men praying on every hole, women praying on every hole. Oh, yeah, you hit a drive, and it's like, oh, God, bring that back. <laughs> Let it hit a tree and come in bounds. I was playing in a club championship, not because I'm good. I just decided to try it. And I remember doing this, and, I, you know, it was very funny because I took a weekend off. It was a Sunday. I show up at the club. I saw a bunch of people from the church, and they're like, oh, pastor, I'm uh, I'm." I'm sorry I'm here. I'm like, I'm here too. <laughs> Only I took a vacation day. What about you? <laughs> Let's figure this out. Um, so I was, I was playing against this guy. And crazy things happened in the name of craziness. Um, he would hit the ball. And it would start going out of bounds, hit a tree and come in. It would drop in bounds. It would be right in the fairway, beautiful. I remember my family finally showed up to watch me on the 16th hole. I look back, and they're all like smiling, like, hey. And I'm like, hey. So I hit this drive, went out of bounds. I'm like, snap, that wasn't good. Hit another drive, went out of bounds. Put another one on the tee. It hit a tree and went to the ladies' tees. <laughs> I was absolutely humbled and humiliated. As, as we were going after this, and you, you see those moments and you go, well, wait, I'm a pastor. I'm, God, all, all the things should be working for me. <laughs> but this guy who's cussing up a storm over here, he's hitting trees and he's coming in bounds. Where is fairness in this? 
Help a brother out. The one thing I learned through this is that we seek, we often seek the good and we expect the good. And God says, don't miss the fact that I am the God that can speak and use the bad. The things that we try to avoid, the things that we don't want are not things that God is just trying to get us through, like rescue us out of. He's saying, in the middle of it, I will use it to shape you. I will use this in a powerful way in your life if you allow me to. I don't know how many times you've ever used this statement, I just need to get through this. Years ago, I remember I was speaking to my father and I said, Dad, I got this big thing that's going on. I just need to get beyond it. He goes, don't ever say that. I go, why? Because I mean it. I want to get beyond it. He goes, no, you'll get beyond it. It's how you get beyond it is important. You'll look back and you'll be beyond it. It's whether it was used to glorify God and to shape the image of God in you, or if it was just something that you discarded and you totally lost sight of, and God had no part of what he wanted to accomplish in you. That's wasted. That's wasted. It's painful enough, but when God can take the pain and the hurt and all of that stuff, and he can bring good from it, changes everything. I think maybe one of the greatest examples is Joseph in the Bible. Well, Jesus is the greatest example, right? But another example that we can relate to is Joseph, and I I love this guy. I mean, here's a guy that God showed up to in a dream. He gave him a dream. Can you imagine, just stick with me for a moment, that God gives you a dream, and you're like, I am special. God's given me this dream. And then he says, now go share this dream with your brothers. You go, I don't know if they're going to like it. Go share the dream with your brothers. And he goes and he shares the dream with his brothers, and they didn't like it. You're going to bow down to me. You're going to do this, you know. And and they were like, oh, so you're this special spiritual boy, you know. And so they really developed this animosity toward him. And then one day he's out in the field, and they, they had this hate toward their brother. And they said, we're going to kill him. And instead, one of the brothers talked him out of it and said, let's just sell him into slavery, and we'll fabricate this story. So they do all of this. They sell Joseph into slavery. Hey, his life's going great, right? It's like, follow the Lord. Yes, Lord, I'll, I'll reveal the dream. All right, the payment for that is you're going to be sold into slavery. So he goes into Potiphar's house, and he's a servant there. And in Potiphar's house, what's he do? He is faced with all kinds of things, especially sexual temptation, and he flees from it. He does what is right. But he's falsely accused. And you think in this moment, man, Joseph, what a guy, man. You did it. God's going to show up. He's going to you know, do some incredible things for you. Now, uh, in that moment, what happens? He gets thrown in jail. So you're sold into slavery. You're, you're thrown into jail. And then I'm, I'm, I'm sure that God's going to vindicate you. And he's going to you know, bust you out. Yeah, he wasn't busted out. While he was in there, he revealed a couple other dreams of the butler and the baker. And when, when he revealed those dreams, he said, hey, man, I revealed these dreams to you. When, you. when you go out, just remember me. And they were like, I'm out of here. And so they go out. They don't remember him. 
And eventually, eventually, Joseph gets moved out when Pharaoh has a dream and they remember, there was this guy in prison that revealed my dream. He comes and he shares this dream of Pharaoh and then he becomes second in charge to be able to, to provide for a famine that was coming. Now listen, this is what's amazing. In Genesis chapter 50, we see this statement. It says, what you plan for evil, God used for good. And I'm saying, don't miss this. This list, we can go down through individually and talk about all the little things and this and that and the other thing. And, um, and, and those are cool, but I, want you to, I don't want you to miss the big picture. And that is this, that God is in control of even the, the things that are unwanted in our life. And if we submit him to him, he can use them. God will even use evil and bring good from it. Evil men will do evil things, but a good God will always accomplish his will and his purposes in spite of it. It's incredible. So can we make this personal? Not just the fact that God has given a season to everything in our lives. God has given a season to what you're in to your life what you're going through right now. You are in a season and God has ordained it. The second thing is this, that God has a purpose for that season that you're enduring, that you're in. This is no accident. The season that you're in, God wants to use for good. He wants to use, you know, accomplish his purposes in you, but also through you. So we must understand that this isn't an accident. That God has very much, he's providentially in control, accomplishing his will. And if we surrender ourselves to him, then we're able to see those things happen in our lives. If we don't, he'll orchestrate his plan another way. He's not limited to whether we obey or disobey. It's just relegated to the fact if I obey and I submit myself, then I can see what God wants to do through me and in me, and that happens. But if I don't, it's just wasted time. How many of you can look back on a situation in your life and say, that was wasted? It's wasted time. Well, here in this passage, again, we are reminded that God has a purpose for every season under heaven. I was telling the first service, it's funny, when you go through each of these lists, a couple of them stick out, don't they? It's, one is a time to like gather and a time to cast away. And I'm like, for all you hoarders out there, <laughs> read this, read this, this is really important. And all the parents are gonna study it tonight and they're gonna sit down with their kids and it says there's a time to speak and a time to be silent. <laughs> you know, it relates to the whole of life. But we understand that God wants to use everything to accomplish his purposes in us. The other thing is this, in verse 11, we see this, that God gave a longing beyond these seasons in life. When we were created, we were created for eternity. We weren't created just for 70 years, 80 years, 90 years. God created us with this understanding that we we're intended to live eternally with him. 
the Garden of Eden, when did death come? Death came as a part of the curse. When sin came, death came. And so we have this longing in us. The Bible says there in verse 11 that God placed eternity in the hearts of men, that we have this longing for that. Why? Because death feels so wrong. Death is this, this thing. I mean, we're not rushing to funerals going, I can't wait to go. Death was a part of the curse. We were intended to live eternally. And so we understand that Jesus coming and his death brought life so that this part in our heart that he has stirred up, that he has placed in us can be fully realized that we can enjoy him forever in a place called heaven. That's what the gospel is all about. Jesus coming to redeem his people and restore them to the rightful place to enjoy him forever. Well, let me end with a couple things. I thought, um, let me just read these verses in verses uh, 12 and 13. Interesting, a little out of the way, but we see this, he says, really it's the culmination that God gives us gifts to enjoy even while in these seasons of life. Look at verses 12 and 13. He said, I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and do good as long as they live. And also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is a gift. This is God's gift to man. It doesn't just say this is a gift. This is your gift. This is something that God's given us. To enjoy just some of the simple things when we're in these seasons of life god even gives us enjoyment and pleasure in these in certain ways and the first one is this he says be joyful be joyful that god gives us joy in seasons and joy is not based on wow some amazing things are going on we can have joy in the most trying of times and our joy is rooted in this reality that it's not based on the circumstance that I'm facing or enduring. It's based on the God who is greater than the circumstance. That's where my joy is. Christians should be the most joyful people in the world. Why? Because we know the God who is in control of it. So the golf tournament. I'll go back there. I got a call from the director. And he said, hey, man could we have like prayer this morning for this? And I said, yeah, let's pray. Let's pray that it doesn't rain. I felt like this is awesome, you know? So we prayed together on the phone. I was, I was just waiting for the radar. I couldn't wait because I wanted to see the radar, you know, go. It's going up the coast, urch, you know, and it clears out sunny skies in Auburn. I was like, Come on, God, show up in a big way. Let's do this. And then, well, 12 o'clock came, and I got another phone call. And it was the tournament is canceled because of the amount of rain we've been getting. It's been crazy, right? And so I love the statement. He says, I guess God had other plans. That's the right perspective. The right perspective isn't, well, he wasn't able to do this. Listen, God controls everything. The weather is not like he's arguing with Mother Nature, whatever that is. Um, 
that like freaks me out. Anyways, this whole thing, you know, he, he's not arguing with, you know, the wind and the rain and all of this. He's allowed it for a purpose. And we come to this reality that if he didn't change it, he has a reason for it. Are you with me? If God, I can pray and God can change anything. And if he doesn't change it, he has a purpose in it. In it. And so we learn that we can have joy in the midst of all the seasons of life. And the second is he said, do good. Do good. You know why? Because I think when we do good, we reflect the heart of Jesus. We re reflect the heart of God. And doing good doesn't take a lot of work. It just takes initiative. We need to do it. Third, he says, take pleasure in your work. God allows us the simple pleasures of seeing the fruit of our toil. This past month, I, I built a gazebo in my backyard. It was a kit that you put together. I opened it up and I looked at the, the manual and the manual was like 40 pages long. I'm like, put the manual on the outside of the box so I can read it first and then determine whether I want to buy it. You know, you look at the box and it looks like, oh, four easy steps. No. And then, you know, those manuals are so clear, right? It's like, you can do this and what? Huh? You know, you're holding it all up trying to figure it out. Finally was finished with it. Got that gazebo done. Step back. It's like, yeah, that looks good. That looks good. So I bring the family, you know, does that look good? Yeah, it looks good. No, no, try it again. It looks good. And it was just this sense of accomplishment that God, the simplicity of life, there are moments where it's okay to celebrate what God is doing. And the fruit of our toil, you realize that in the garden, work was a part of what we were to do? We were created this way. And so it's a part of the image that God has created us with to embrace that. Be joyful, do good, take pleasure in your work. Those are the simple gifts from God himself as we endure these different seasons. In Ephesians chapter five, Paul says it this way, and I want you to hear this. He says, look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So as we're navigating life, he says, take a pause, look carefully how you live. Because God has a purpose for every step. God is intimately involved within our lives. The question is, do we recognize it? It's not whether he's there, it's are we listening? Are we seeing? Are we submitting? Those are the things. So think back to your season, the season you're in. Do you see, take that pause, as Paul said, look carefully what are you seeing? Where is God at work there? What is he trying to tell you? 
It's no accident you are where you are and you're going through what you're going through. It's not the question of that season. It's the question of whether God's going to accomplish his purposes in you and through you during it. That's it. And this passage reminds us that that's how he is working to fulfill his ultimate purpose in this world. So the takeaways would be this. Number one, recognize God is in control of the seasons in your life. Number two, let God use every season to shape you. And then ultimately, I talk to people about purpose all the time. People wanna know, what, what, I, what should I do with my life? You know, what was I created for? And ultimately, Solomon comes back and reminds us that in the middle of this, your purpose is not about a task. It's not just about a season. It's about your vertical relationship with the God who created you. So realigning ourselves vertically to God is critical to understand your purpose. You try to understand your purpose outside of the God who created you, you're gonna go nuts and you'll never figure it out. But if you come into the presence of God and say, God, I submit my life to you. Show me why you have me in this season of my life. And when we come to that point, God does some amazing things. So Father, this morning as we meet here and as we reflect on these things, I just pray that you would continue to work in our lives. God, everybody sitting here is in a season. Some, they might be on the mountaintop. Some, they're in the valley and others are somewhere in between because that's life. But God, the question is really, are we aware of your presence in it? That you want to be intimately involved in what we're doing to be able to continue to shape us and to mold us and to make us into the people you intend us to be. That your purposes would be fulfilled in us and through us. And so God, we pray those things would be true today for us. We submit them to you. We yield them to you. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen.